All right, Revelation chapter number 20 this morning, <clears throat> as you find your place, Revelation chapter number 20, and if you are able to, uh, if you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, that'd be great. Also, as you find Revelation chapter number 20, if you could also find 2 Peter chapter number 3. Uh, we'll be going to 2 Peter chapter number 3 at the end of the service, and so if you want to find 2 Peter chapter number 3, just put a ribbon uh, in there, that'd be great. We'll start off in Revelation chapter number 20 this morning. All right, Revelation chapter number 20, and we're going to begin reading, uh, just for the sake of time and uh, for you standing, we're going to begin reading in verse number 10, Revelation chapter number 20 and verse number 10, the Bible says... And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne from him that sat on it, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. Verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord, for the privilege and the opportunity we have to meet in your house this morning. Lord, I know there's many that aren't here today, they're not well, and they're home watching via live stream. God, I pray that you bless them and encourage them today. Let them know we miss them. We're praying for them. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to them, even sitting at home. God, we need to hear from you today, like Brother Mike just prayed a few moments ago. Lord, I... It's a very serious subject this morning, one that I I think... uh, Lord, to be honest, is probably the most serious subject when studying the Scripture. If we're not careful, we kind of look at this subject and breeze on over it. But Lord, there's so much truth within the Word of God. So I pray this morning, Lord, that You would, Lord, do only what You could do. The Holy Spirit of God would work in hearts and lives as only it could. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Probably one of the most contested and debated and discussed biblical topics throughout the centuries centers around this one main question. How could a loving God send anyone to hell? How could a loving God send anyone to hell? As a matter of fact, within the last 20 plus years, multiple books have been written addressing this very issue. In his book, Love Wins, megachurch pastor Rob Bell writes a 200-plus page argument detailing for you and I how, quote, hell is what we create for ourselves when we reject God's love. Hell is both a present reality for those who resist God and a future reality for those who die unready for God's love. Hell is what we make of heaven when we cannot accept the good news of God's forgiveness and mercy. But hell is not forever. That's what this pastor says in this book. Hell is not forever. Let's keep reading this quote here. God will have his way. How can his good purposes fail? I mean, God loves, right? 
Every sinner will turn to God and realize he has already been reconciled to God in this life or in the next. There will be no eternal consequence, no eternal torment. God says no to injustice in the age to come, but he does not pour out wrath. We bring the temporary suffering upon ourselves, and he certainly does not punish for eternity. Why? Because in the end, love wins. The fact of the matter is this morning that I think Brother Rob or Mr. Bell forgot to read Revelation chapter number 20. Because in Revelation chapter number 20, beginning in verse number 1, here's what the Bible says. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he loosed a little season. Skipping down to verse number 10, the Bible says, And the devil that deceived them were cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. I guess Mr. Bell forgot to read Revelation chapter number 20. But the truth is this morning, we don't need a book, we don't need a podcast, we don't need a post on Facebook to understand this morning that the Bible talks about a literal place called hell. And regardless of whether or not you sit in the auditorium this morning and you would attest to what Mr. Bell says and you would say, well, that's really good theology. I really like how Mr. Bell thinks that love wins and love conquers all. The fact of the matter is you cannot refute what we have in the Word of God. And Revelation chapter number 20 describes a pit a bottomless pit. Uh, we'll go into detail more in the message this morning. But the fact of the matter is this. There is a literal hell, and there are people in hell this morning. <clears throat> I think it's a reality sometimes that we don't want to talk about. We always want to talk about love and the positive and the peace and the hope and the assurance. But my friend, this morning we've got to talk about the reality of hell. It's not a reality that we encourage, not a reality that we like to discuss but it is a reality. Truth be told, Jesus Christ spoke more about hell than he did of heaven while he walked upon the earth. There's no need for us to, to look anywhere else but the word of God to understand what hell is really like. So for this morning, in the morning message, what I want us to do is kind of wrap our mind's eye, if you would, around the fact of what is hell and why is hell and where is hell. I want us to have a clear understanding, if you would, from Scripture, not from Brother Andrew, not from Rob Bell, not from anybody else, but from Scripture, what is this place described in our Bible as hell? Because it matters not what Rob Bell says about hell. It matters not what Brother Andrew says about hell. What matters is what God says about hell. There are those who think hell is on earth. Some may think this morning that hell is simply a fairy tale. Some may think this morning that hell is a state of mind, or some may think that hell is simply a stage of development. But to God, hell is justice. To a lot of Christians, even Christians in today's society, hell is just simply a word or an atmosphere. Man, that's a great tragedy as a Christian to think, to be sitting in a congregation of people, to think about hell and to think about the Word of God and to look at hell and go, man, it's just a state of mind. It's just a state of being. But can I say this this morning on the authority of the Word of God? Hell is a reality for those that are in it this morning. Hell is a reality. To the lost dead, hell is real. But to tell you what hell is like would be totally impossible. I've never been there. Praise the Lord, I'm not going either. June 10th, 1991, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And my, listen, my, my one-way ticket to hell has been torn up by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful for it. But the fact still remains this morning that there is still a literal hell. So, Lord willing, this morning we're going to answer these three questions. Where is hell? What is hell? And why is hell? I want you to notice in verse number 1 of Revelation chapter number 20, the Bible says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit 
and a great chain in his hand. Listen, there is a place called hell. Hell is a place like we're sitting here in the auditorium this morning or you're sitting at home watching via live stream this morning. Hell is a literal place. It is not a state of mind, a figment of our imagination. It's not an atmosphere. It's not something we dream up based upon a movie or a video game or something we've seen online. No, hell is a literal place. Speaking to Peter in Matthew chapter number 16, verse number 18, Jesus would make this statement. And he said also unto unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus would go on to tell the Apostle John as he began to write this book, the book of Revelation. He would go on to say this in Revelation chapter 1, verse number 18. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and have the keys of hell and of death. You see, there's gates around hell. There's keys to hell. Hell is a literal place. Hell is a literal place. But secondly, also this, hell has been prepared for the devil, and God is the creator of hell. We seem to think this morning that hell is a place that the devil controls. We have this mindset, if you would, that hell is this place where the devil with his little pitchfork and all his little minions run around controlling what takes place and and, and lots of parties and and things that go on wickedly. Can I tell you something, my friend? Hell is not a place the devil has control of. He's not the creator of hell. He's not the, listen, he's not the one in charge of hell. God in heaven is the one that created hell, but he created hell for the devil and his angels. In Matthew chapter number 25, verse 41, Jesus would make this statement. Then say, shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Truth be told this morning, hell was never designed for you and I. No, no, no. Hell was never created for you and I. Hell was never, listen, hell was never a destination designed by God for you and I. But yet because of sin, because of sin that passed from Adam and Eve down to you and I today in 2021, hell is our destination if we have not put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Hell is prepared for the devil. God prepared this place and it's God who runs it. By the way, the devil is not in charge. He doesn't even have, he's not even second in command. The devil is a slave in hell. The devil is bound by his own sin, his own pride, his own ego, his own, his own mindset that he could be God. That's what the devil's bound by in hell. But hell is not, also, it's not just an atmosphere. It's for real. People abide in hell. We think of our soul or our thoughts being in hell, but hell is a place with literal uh, people in it. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus made this statement. He said, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Watch but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You recognize this morning that those that are in hell aren't just in hell because some figment of our imagination. No, no, no. They're not in hell this morning. It's just, it's just a place to go after you die. If, you're, if your good works out, they don't outweigh your bad works. And, and you know, if you were a bad person and you committed all these heinous sins. No, no. Hell is a literal place for those who rejected Jesus Christ. But hell also has a specific location. I don't, have a, uh, <clears throat> I don't have a GPS. I, 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 tried to, I tried to Google it last night. What is hell's location? There's no GPS coordinates. There's no specific maps. There's no right-hand turns, left-hand turns. Uh, <clears throat> we're, we're, Emily's driving now, and so as she's driving, trying to tell her where to go and knowing how to take the right-hand turn, left-hand turn, know where the brake is. And that's a good thing to know when you're driving, amen? Know where the brake is. Uh, you know, know, know when to stop on the red lights, know when to go on the green lights. Those are all good things. But can I say this this morning? I don't, I, 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 you could walk into the office, in the pastor's office, and say, hey, preacher, I, I really want to know. I want the directions to hell. And preacher reach on up in all the books in his library and pull one off and dust it off. It says, directions to hell, one way to, no, no, no. There, there's no specific, if you would, GPS directions for it. But I believe we can look at Scripture here and look in our text this morning 
and see that hell has a specific location. Notice in verse number one, the Bible says, and I saw an angel come down from heaven. And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the keys of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Now go down to verse number 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these things which were written in these books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead and were, that were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged every man according to his works. Notice this, the Bible says, then death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. <clears throat> I believe this, that even some people, even studying this out, scientists and different people say this, that believe the location for hell is the center of the earth. They believe hell is the center of the earth. Scientists tell us that the center of the earth is a place of total darkness. And if you were to fall into the center of the earth, you would fall into absolute darkness. Matthew chapter number 8, verse number 12, Jesus speaking to his followers described hell as this, cast into outer darkness. I don't know about you, but when I go to sleep at night, I like it dark. Amen? I can't sleep with a nightlight on. Now, Levi, he needs a nightlight. He needs a nightlight. But Brother Andrew, he don't need a nightlight. But I'll be honest with you, there's times you want a light. There's times you get up in the middle of the night, you want, you want some sort of a light. So you don't stumble over the, uh, you know, the bed, you don't stumble over the the, uh, the coffee table, those types of things. But can I say this to, uh, this morning, that in hell there is no light, only darkness. Second Peter chapter 2, verse number 4, the Bible says this, For if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved into judgment. Hell has a specific location. It's dark. The center of the earth is dark. But they also say that if you fall into the center of the earth, you'd fall into hot, boiling lava. Lava made of fire and brimstone. Revelation chapter 19, verse number 20, the Bible says these both were cast alive into a lake of fire with burning with brimstone. Revelation chapter 20, verse number 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Revelation chapter 21, verse number 8, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of, that burneth with fire and brimstone. See, brimstone is sulfur. I did study this out. Brimstone is sulfur. And when sulfur burns, it does not give off light like your fireplace does. Sulfur burns black. In a June 2015 report by the European Association of Geochemistry, researchers and scientists now believe that the Earth's core contains 90% of all of Earth's sulfur. To quote the report, quote, so perhaps there is some truth in the old legends of the underworld reeking of brimstone. In eight different places throughout the book of Revelation, the Bible describes hell as a bottomless pit, meaning you would fall forever and ever. And in the center of earth, there is no gravity. You'd be weightless. Could you imagine falling and falling forever and ever? Anybody ever had a dream where you fall out of bed and you're dreaming and you feel like you're falling forever and ever? Then you hit the floor and you wake up and go, man, praise God for the floor. Anybody, I've done that before. And that's, a, that's a scary feeling in a dream that you feel like you're falling off a, the biggest building in the world. And next thing you know, you're smelling the carpet. Amen. Praise the Lord. But could you imagine for all of eternity falling and falling and falling and falling and falling? I have a brother who was in the army for seven years. He was with the, stationed at the 82nd Airborne. 
And I asked him, I said, man, what was the first jump like? He goes, man, it was the scariest thing in the world. He goes, you're, you're racked up. You're walking out of the C-130 at Fort Benning, Georgia. He goes, you pass the, you pass the cable on to the, the jump master. He goes, and you just jump out and you pray to God that that parachute opens up. I said, what's the feeling like when the parachute opens up? He goes, absolute bliss. But you know what hell's like? Hell's like jumping out of that plane, but no chute opening up. Hell's like jumping out of that plane, knowing you'll never put your feet on ground, on solid ground. Hell is the place where you'll never be able to walk. You'll never be able to stand upright and enjoy life. You'll never get those things. That's hell this morning. See, it doesn't matter what podcasts say or what Google says, what some TV preacher, what some author says, based upon the Bible, the Word of God, there is a literal hell this morning. But what is hell? If there's a hell has a place, I mean, really, what is hell, Brother Andrew? I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures here, and if you want to write these down, we're going to try to move through pretty quickly. But what is hell? Hell is a place of darkness. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 12, we mentioned this, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness. Imagine complete darkness. That's what hell is. Imagine not being able to see your hand in front of your face. That's what hell is. Imagine not being able to see your spouse, be able to see your children. That's what hell is. Imagine not being able to see a sunset or a sunrise or the snow or a flower or Christmas lights or anything. That's what hell is. Complete, absolute, total darkness. But not just darkness, hell is a place of consciousness. Luke chapter number 16, verse number 19, we're told of a story. Well, for the sake of time, we won't turn there. But we're told of the story of the rich man and Lazarus. We know this, that the rich man and the Lazarus died. And the rich man, he fared sumptuously as a, as, a, as a man living on earth. He had everything he wanted. He had the clothing. He had the house. He had the food. He had the means to live. All the goods of life he had. Yet when he died, the Bible tells us that he lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment. Then there was Lazarus. Lazarus would sit at the gate of the rich man and the dogs would lick Lazarus' sores. And Lazarus had all the bad things of life, if you want to say it like that, had all the negative things of life. But yet Lazarus had put his faith in God. And because he had put his faith in God, the Bible tells us that when Lazarus died, he didn't end up in hell. He ended up in Abraham's bosom. He ended up in heaven. And so there's this contrast between Lazarus, if you would, and the, and the rich man. And in, listen, in hell, there's a state of consciousness, if you would. You say, can you prove it, Brother Andrew? Absolutely. In that text, here's what we see. We see that the rich man had eyes. He looked up and saw Lazarus afar off. No, no, take the time this afternoon, Luke chapter 16. He had eyes. He was able to see Lazarus afar off. Not only did he have eyes, but the rich man had a body that was tormented by the flames. The Bible tells us as the rich man woke up in hell that he was tormented by the pain, by the, by the pain of the flames. Not only that, but the rich man had a tongue because he cried out to Lazarus to dip his finger in water and to come cool his tongue. The rich man had ears as he heard God speak and say, remember, remember when thou didst in thy lifetime. There's a great gulf fixed between me and thee. Listen, in hell there are there is actually, uh, actually people in hell. It's not just a bunch of spirits. It's not just a mindset. No, no, it's literal people that burn in hell. But not only is hell a place of consciousness, but hell is a place of fire. In Revelation chapter number 20, look at our text here in verse number 10. We know this, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. In Revelation chapter 20, just down at the very end of this chapter, verse number 15, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Matthew chapter 25, verse number 41, the Bible describes hell as an everlasting fire. 
Matthew chapter 13, verse number 42 and verse number 50, the Bible describes hell as a furnace of fire. Matthew chapter 3, verse number 12, the Bible describes hell as an unquenchable fire. Could you imagine this morning desiring to take a breath? Could you imagine this morning that you're, 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 you, you need a breath, you need a, some fresh air, you need some oxygen, but you're not able to because you're consumed by fire. The sad reality is this, as the Bible goes on here in Revelation and other portions of Scripture and describes the hell, uh, describes the fire in hell as this way for all eternity. Hell is a place of tormenting memories. You'll remember your past while in hell. Say, can you prove that, Brother Andrew? Yep, Luke chapter 16, verse number 27. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Listen, here's the rich man. He's being tormented in hell. He, he's, he's called out to Lazarus. Lazarus, dip your finger. Dip your finger and cool my tongue. And, and God's saying, it's not going to take place. It's not going to happen. There's a great gulf fix. You're in hell. He's in heaven. Not taking place. And so here's what the rich man cries out. Remember my family. Remember my family. <clears throat> this last year, I had a grandfather that passed away. My mom's dad passed away, and <clears throat> sad reality is this morning that I don't, I don't believe my grandfather was saved. He was witnessed to multiple times. I remember as a little boy trying to get him to go to church with us when he'd come visit us in Las Vegas, and he never would. He was steeped in religion. He was steeped in the mindset of, hey, my good works are going to outweigh my bad works. Listen, the sad reality this morning is my grandfather, if he'd never, I've never heard of a testimony of salvation from him. If that's the case, Brother Rick, this morning, my grandfather's exactly where that rich man is. I've got a grandmother, my mom, I talked to my mom the other night, I've got a grandmother who's probably getting ready to pass as well. Grandmother, listen, a grandmother who helped me through Bible college, Grandmother who loves me, obviously. But a grandmother who, years ago, on a Sunday morning at Calvary Baptist Church, I put my arm around and said, Grandma, do you know for sure Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior? A grandmother who laughed out loud and said, I'm going to be your life's work. To this day, she's never made a profession of faith. You know, the sad reality is this morning is that you and I all know somebody, or maybe we know multiple people this morning as we're sitting here, that are in hell. And here's the message that they're crying out. Tell everyone about this place. This place is horrible. This place is wicked. This place hurts. No one needs to come to this place. No one needs to deal with this. No one, no one needs to. I'm here for eternity. I'm stuck here for eternity. I'm stuck here forever and ever. Hell is a place of tormenting memories. Hell is a place of continual falling. Hell is a place of loneliness. There's no singing in hell. There's no parties in hell. There's no, listen, there's no church services in hell. There's no hanging out with the preacher in hell. There's no getting together with the buddies at hell. You don't find that in Scripture. It's a place of loneliness. Hell is a place of unimaginable sounds. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 12, Jesus described hell as this, outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In Luke chapter 13, verse number 28, Jesus describes hell again in this place and describes hell as this, weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
Could you imagine the weeping and the wailing, the gnashing of teeth? A couple months ago, I cut my finger almost in half, and I went to the emergency room, and I'm sitting in the emergency room, and I had to get an x-ray and get some stitches. And I remember the nurse coming in and said, Mr. Rodriguez, you're going to need to get some stitches in your finger. I said, okay. Never had stitches before. And she's like, well, would you like some numbing medicine? Absolutely. Praise God. And I remember she came out with this needle, and after I saw the needle, I thought, no, I don't really want that. Big, huge, long needle. And, and, and I remember she put it in my finger, and no offense to any nurses here. I know we got a lot of nurses in the church. She numbed my finger, and she said, I'll be back in about 10 minutes because that's when it wears off. And I'm going to stitch your finger up, and you should be good to go. I thought, okay, not a problem. Hour and a half later, <laughs> she walks in with the needle and the string. Okay, you ready? <clears throat> And I remember as she started sticking me, Miss Pam, I wasn't crying. I wasn't. I wasn't holding on. Miss Lois was there the same night I was there. I wasn't holding on to that gurney. No, no. You know what I was doing? I was gritting my teeth. That little pain. little pain. You realize in hell this morning that your pain in hell is not just limited to your little finger your whole body. Your whole body is suffering. In the Bible, Jesus describes hell as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Not only is hell a place of unimaginable sounds, but hell is a place of everlasting thirst. Think about the rich man who desired so much, just, listen, just a drop from the hand of Lazarus, the coolest tongue. Hell is a place of everlasting thirst. Think about being in a desert and having no water. Think about working all day long out in the hot sun, having no water. Think about working on a car, working in the fields, whatever the case might be, and having no water. Man, you want some water. Hell is going to be much worse. The Bible says this, that Jesus is the everlasting water. And in hell, there is no Jesus, so there is no everlasting water. Hell is a place of emptiness. Hell is a place of endlessness. The Bible speaks of hell, even in our text this morning. Hell is a place of eternal judgment, never able to escape or to be relieved from the pain and the suffering of hell. Hell is a place without hope, of escape. Hell is a place of isolation. Hell is a place of, of judgment. Hebrews chapter number 9, verse number 27, the Bible says, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. Reading our text this morning in uh, Revelation chapter number 20, a judgment seat here. Look at, look at our text here in verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. The Bible here is speaking about the great white throne judgment and it's speaking about those who've rejected Jesus Christ. You may think, well, Brother Andrew, you understand God hasn't judged me and, and, and I'm just living my life the way I want to. Listen, friend, this morning under the authority of the word of God, there is a judgment day coming. And whether or not you're saved, whether or not you're lost, you and I will be judged. But I'll guarantee you this one thing, I will not be at the great white throne judgment. Praise the Lord. I won't have to be judged here. You know why? Because I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But hell is a place of judgment. We read this, that it's reserved for those that have died without Jesus Christ. But probably one of the, the saddest things about hell is this. Hell is a place of separation. You see, this is truly what hell is really about. Being separated from God for all eternity. Hell is hell because God is not there. God had to turn His back on Jesus Christ when He bore our sins on Calvary. There's no love, there's no love or no peace in hell. There's no, there's no, listen, there's no hanging out with buddies in hell. No, it's complete separation. And there's some people maybe, and you're thinking, man, I could do without somebody in my life. 
I can do without this person in my life. I can do without this friend in my life. But all of us, listen, all of us this morning, we all need God in our life. But in hell, there is no God. There is no God. So why hell, Brother Andrew? Why hell? Hold your place in Revelation chapter number 20 and turn over to John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12. It's pretty mean to think about this morning, Brother Andrew, that there's a place called hell and talking about how bad hell is and people that are in hell and and all the people that go to hell. But why? Why, 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 why hell? Do you notice John chapter number 12, one verse. Look at verse, actually let's go to verse number 44 to kind of give us some context of where we're at. John chapter number 12 and in verse number 44, the Bible says this, Jesus cried and said, he that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. I am come, a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. Man, that's a truth right there. We could stop right there and just camp at that passage of Scripture. Jesus is saying, listen, I, I came at the, at, the, at, the, at the command, at the orders of my Father, God in heaven, God Almighty. But hey, listen, I came not so that you could live in darkness, but I came that you could live in light. Verse number 47. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. Now remember a couple of verses prior, Jesus is speaking about who? He's speaking about God in heaven. Jesus is saying, hey, here's what Jesus is saying. At the end of the day, dude, God's going to judge you. Don't judge me, preacher. Don't judge me, my wife, my spouse. No, no, listen. At the end of the day, God's going to judge you. There's no escaping it. Verse 48, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word which I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. You see, why is hell? Hell is God's wrath. We have chosen not, uh, sorry, we have chosen to go to hell by our own conscious choice because we have rejected Jesus Christ. You see, we have a just God, a righteous God, a holy God, a God that loves us. Yes, a God where he says, I love you. And because I love you, I'm going to send my son to die for your sin. See, God paid the price for our sin by sending his son, Jesus Christ. As Jesus hung upon the cross of Calvary, he bore the sin of all mankind. Listen, I I cannot fathom this this morning, but man, it's so true, and I can't even wrap my mind around it, that Jesus, as he hung upon the cross, he didn't hang upon the cross just for those that would put their faith and trust in him, but he hung upon the cross for those that would reject God and would say, I want nothing to do with you. I cannot fathom that. Can't fathom that. I got two boys. Two boys. And I remember uh, after we had Bella, we, Crystal got pregnant with Micah, and I remember we said, okay, Micah's going to be our last one. Just going to have four. <clears throat> then Levi came along. Amen. <sighs> so we had Micah. And I remember having three girls. Kind of wanted, wanted a boy. Kind of wanted a boy. But we made the decision. Listen, we made the decision not to find out if we were having a boy or a girl. So I remember, I remember the night that Micah was born. And as Crystal delivered, I got a boy. Man, how exciting that is. Man, it's so special. So just, man, it's just a joy. I'm like, I'm jumping on the bed. I'm like, yeah, I got a boy. I got a boy. I got a boy. I got a boy. My only son at that time. My only son. And I love my son. I love him a lot. But I couldn't imagine sacrificing him for any of you. 
Brother Andrew, you got two. Yep, I couldn't imagine sacrificing Levi for you. As a matter of fact, I couldn't imagine sacrificing them for my life. I'd give my life for them, Brother Mike. I'd lay down my life for my boys. I love them. You realize this morning that a God in heaven loved you so much that He sacrificed His only begotten Son and didn't think twice about it. Yeah, love wins. It does win. When we recognize the fact that God loves us so much that He sent His only begotten Son to die upon the cross for us. Because I can't do it. Listen, I, can't, I, I, can't, I have searched the Scriptures. I cannot find my way to heaven other than through Jesus Christ. I have spent time studying and praying and looking. Listen, there is no other name under heaven other than Jesus Christ. That's my ticket to heaven. Not my good works. Listen, not my good works. Not my position on staff. Not my friendship with Pastor Marshall. Not my wife. Not my kids. Not you. Nobody. Not even me. Only through Jesus Christ. Hell is God's wrath. The price for our sin was God's only begotten Son. God never sent anyone to hell. Man chooses to go to hell because he refuses to accept Jesus Christ as his Savior. If you sent your son to die for someone and they refuse to accept what your son did for them, how would you feel? How would you feel? Not only is hell because of why is hell is God's wrath, but hell is also because of lost man's due. Turn over to Hebrews chapter number 9 real quick. Hebrews chapter number 9. Hebrews chapter number 9. Hell is a lost man's due. You see, because of sin, because of the sin of all mankind, and because sin passed upon all mankind, man deserves hell. So what do you mean, Brother Andrew? It means I deserve to go to hell. You deserve to go to hell. We all deserve to go to hell. We can't work our way to heaven. Notice what Hebrews, the book of Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter number 9, verse number 27. The Bible says, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Isaiah chapter 64, Isaiah would write these words. He says, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as, as filthy rags. You see, the Bible says our righteousness, our, our, our good works, if you would, our, our sinlessness, if you would, is as filthy rags in the sight of God. So what does that mean, Brother Andrew? It means this, you cannot do any good works in the sight of God that would get you into heaven. It would Nothing. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8 and 9, we know this verse very well. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Why is hell? Hell is a lost man's due. Hell is a destination for a man or a woman who has purposely decided they would rather live life without Jesus Christ. Hell is a place, yes, reserved for the devil and his angels. But listen, my friend, this morning, if you live this life and you take your last breath, having never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you don't get a second chance. No, no, go back to our text in Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20. Notice what the Bible says. Verse number 10. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night for and ever and ever. Verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. Now notice what John writes. And I saw the dead. John didn't say, I saw the living. John didn't say, I saw those that have been resurrected. John didn't say, I saw those that, you know, took a nap. He said, I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. 
And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead, the dead, the dead, the dead were judged out of them. Hell is a lost man's due. No matter how we want to explain it away, no matter how we want to justify it, the fact of the matter is this. If a man, woman, boy, or girl dies without putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they will spend an eternity in hell. Not because Brother Andrew said so. Not because Pastor Marshall said so. Not because Riverside Baptist Church says so. But because God's Word says so. And then lastly, why is hell? Why is hell? Because Christians have failed. 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. 80% of all Christians do not consistently witness for Christ. Less than 2% are involved in the ministry of evangelism. 71% do not give toward the financing of the Great Commission. Hell is hell because Christians have failed. Isaiah would say in Isaiah 5.14, Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. You realize, you realize this morning, 7.9 billion people on the face of this earth. 7.9 billion people. And that number keeps climbing. And hell hath enlarged itself. Why, Brother Andrew? Well, because according to the statistic, which isn't that old, 95% 95% of Christians, 95% of Christians have never won a soul to Christ. And 80% of Christians don't witness, Brother Mike. They don't care. They're not concerned. They're not concerned. So, Brother Andrew, hell, it's real. Oh, it, it is real. It is real. Brother Andrew, I, what do we do? Glad you asked. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Notice what Peter would write here in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. This kind of sums it up, if you would. The reality this morning is there is a hell, but at the same time, the reality is there's a heaven. Look at what Peter says. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. An agnostic asked a young preacher one time, he said, Preacher, where is hell? Very snarky, very snarling. Where is hell, preacher? The young preacher, without skipping a beat, responded this way. The end of a Christless life. That's where hell is. See, the question this morning isn't, why would a loving God send anyone to hell? It's not really the question. The question is, why would anyone choose hell over a loving God? Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, and I... Lord, I don't even know what to say. I'm just so overwhelmed right now. Lord, I, I <clears throat> Lord, I try to 
to preach what you've asked me to preach, you laid on my heart. Lord, even reading and studying for this, just a serious subject, I, I know I'm saved, God, I know I've got a home in heaven. But God, I also think about all those that I know that have gone, left this life, that aren't in heaven. Lord, I can't help but think this morning that there might be a man or a woman sitting in this congregation that deep down inside of their heart, unbeknownst to their spouse or unbeknownst to anybody around them, they know if they were to die today, they would split hell wide open. That they would be cast into a lake of fire. That they would be cast in a place of complete and absolute darkness. What a shame. What a shame to have the truth within our hands and the Word of God. What a shame to know the escape. What a shame to have a willing Savior. What a shame to have a God in heaven who loved us so much to send His only begotten Son, yet we reject Him. And we think to ourselves, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? Oh Lord, how could anyone choose hell over a loving God? I pray this morning, God, you'd speak to hearts. Maybe there's somebody here this morning, they've come to church their whole life. Maybe they've sang in the choir, they've preached from this pulpit, they've served in ministry, whatever the case might be, I don't know. But deep down inside, they've been playing a game. Their spouse is convinced they're saved, their children are convinced they're saved, their family's convinced they're saved, even their preacher's convinced they're saved. But deep down inside, they know, they know that heaven is not their eternal home. God, whatever the case is this morning, however you need to work in hearts and lives, I pray that you would do just that. If anything, God, I pray that you give us a burden and a desire to see more souls saved for Christ. And again, if there is somebody here that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, God, would you move and work in their heart and in their life. As we stand this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed, the piano is going to go ahead and play. It's our invitation time. Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, why not? Why not? Do you know heaven's your home? Do you know for sure heaven is your home? Not based upon your works, not based upon mom and dad, not based upon me or the church or pastor or anybody else. But do you know heaven's your home based upon you putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, asking Him to forgive you of your sins and come in your heart and be your Savior? Listen, maybe this morning, Christian, you know of somebody that if you were to get a text message or a phone call later today that they had passed away, you know somebody. Maybe it is your spouse. Maybe it is your child. Maybe it is your sibling. Maybe it's your best friend. Whatever the case is, you know somebody. And let's ask God to give us a burden and a heart and a desire to see people saved so they don't have to spend an eternity in hell.